You are listening to Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. We are reimagining Christmas this year with using our Advent candles and the prophet Isaiah. So if you've got your Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to our reading for today, which is Isaiah chapter 40. Or if you've got your phone, you can open that up to your Bible or whatever you read your Bible on. Isaiah 40. We're going to read Isaiah 40, starting with verse 1. Before we read this together, I want you to know that you're in my prayers, and here's one of the prayers that I pray for you. The Lord be with you. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places smooth." And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently lead those who have young. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. I'd like us to begin to reimagine peace by thinking about Popeye the Sailor Man. And, uh, any of you familiar with the cartoon, Popeye the Sailor Man? Okay, if you're not familiar with Popeye here, the, the plot for each episode is basically identical. And the plot goes something like this. Brutus steals olive oil. This makes Popeye angry, so he goes after Brutus. When he catches him, Brutus beats Popeye to a pulp. Popeye then eats his spinach, gets really big muscles, goes back and he beats up Brutus, and then he rescues olive oil, and everything's good after that. That's basically every episode of Popeye you'd ever see. Of course, this is the basic good versus evil story, which is part of a lot of classic uh, literature, you know, like Popeye. Um, It's also part of a lot of our classic Christmas stories. I got to thinking about that this week. Can you think of some Christmas stories that are basically good and evil stories? It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, basically good versus evil. Um, The Grinch, good versus evil. Home Alone, good versus evil. Yeah, so this is a kind of a common theme, and here's how it works. We identify the enemy, then we fight them, 
And once we conquer them, everything's good after that. That's the basic plot. Peace comes when we destroy evil, when one side conquers the other side. So basically, peace comes through hostility. Now, does that sound right to you? Peace comes through hostility. It sounds off to me, and if our, our main path to peace is something like identify the enemy, fight them, dominate them, then that seems a lot like a forced peace. And if we had to enforce that kind of peace, that seems like that might be not very peaceful. Like it might be actually overwhelming and exhausting and tiring to have to kind of keep control of your enemy after you've conquered them, to keep dominating them so that you can keep them under control. So it's endless overcoming and overpowering and containment and control. That's what that kind of peace brings. So it made me start to imagine a different kind of peace. And this popped out when I was reading through Isaiah 40 this week. So I want to look at a different kind of peace. And it starts a completely different way. If the other kind of peace starts with identifying your enemy, this kind of peace starts with identifying your defender or identifying your ally or your advocate. That's what Isaiah starts talking about when he begins his story. Now you understand the backstory to this passage in Isaiah. God has claimed Israel as his own. He says, you are my people and I'm your God. And then he gives them their own nation. He makes them a nation, a strong, mighty nation. And then he gives them their own land a land that's flowing with milk and honey. So they have this flourishing land. And then when they go to to conquer this land, he saves them over and over again. He rescues them from different things. So this is the story of God and his people. Again and again, God has their back. God rescues them. God delivers them. They, after each time God saves them, forget. And they turn their back on God and they go their own way. This is the story of God's people. Again and again and again, they disobey God. They sin, they sin greatly, and they sin repeatedly. That's the story of God's people. So to deal with their disobedience, God disciplines them. And he often uses the nations around Israel to provide this discipline by coming in and attacking them, to conquer them, to assault them. In this particular disobedience that Isaiah is talking about, God has disciplined them with the Babylonians. They came in, they conquered God's people, they overthrew the nation, and they carted a a majority of the Israelites off to exile and took them to Babylon. So they're living in exile in this difficult place. They're dealing with the discipline that has come because of their rebellion. And if you read the rest of the book of Isaiah, you can go through the first 39 chapters, and you'll get different insights about this discipline that God offers. And you'll see time and time again that this is not a pretty thing. It's very difficult. It's very hard for the people. They've been enduring it for a long time, and it's been relentless. It's caused a lot of suffering, a lot of hardship. You get that for about 39 chapters, and then you get to chapter 40, and you read these words. Comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. He changes the tune. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for. God's turning the tables in this passage and he's saying to these people, listen, you've suffered discipline because of your disobedience and that's over. You've paid the price. Now comes comfort. 
Now comes peace. The time for punishment is over. The time for comfort has come. Now, I don't want you to imagine what it might be like for these people to hear this. They were carted away from their home. They've been slaves in a foreign country. They recognize that their homeland has been destroyed. Their families have been crushed. Their national uh, identity has been almost destroyed and wiped out. And God says, that's over. No more. The time for mourning and defeat is done. Now is the time for comfort. The problem was your sin, but that sin has been covered. It's been paid for. So you don't have to deal with the consequences of your sin at all. God says, I am no longer going to be your enemy. I'm going to be your defender. I'm going to be your ally. I'm going to be your advocate. Instead of escalating the war against the people and wiping them out, God says, welcome back. You're my people. Comfort my people, says the Lord. We see this image of God repeatedly in Scripture. And one of my favorites is in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul is writing about this to us. He's saying, you who were once far off, once enemies of God's people, once aliens, once foreigners, you have been brought home. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made groups that were at hostility together. He's broken down the dividing wall. He's ended the hostility. God says, I'll be your defender and advocate. The pathway to peace comes with us recognizing that God opens up heavens and welcomes us in, um, not as an enemy, but as our defender. So first step toward peace, know your defender. Second step toward peace, Surrender and trust the one who defends us. Surrender and trust our advocate. In the middle of this chapter 40 of Isaiah, we see this picture of what the defender is like, what God is like in his effort. What is his power to defend us, to take care of us? I'll read a couple of different passages. You can read through the whole thing later. Isaiah 40, verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. He tends his flock like a sheep. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or the breadth of heaven has marked off? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? This is our defender. He's the guy who has the power to measure the heavens, to balance the mountains. One of the refrains that Isaiah uses repeatedly in the middle section of this chapter is this phrase, do you not know? Have you not heard? He's trying to remind these people, this is what it's like to have someone who defends you and advocates for you, and this is what he is like. If you will trust him and surrender to him, you'll recognize this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The nations, they're like a drop in the bucket. They're like nothing. What's going on in this world is like nothing compared to him. He measures the water in the hollow of his hand. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. God sits enthroned above the earth and the people are like grasshoppers. God stretches out the heavens like a canopy, spreads them out like a tent. 
God brings princes down and reduces the rulers of the earth to nothing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Verse 25, to whom will you compare me, says the Lord? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who will bring all of this starry host together and has named them one by one? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Who, he, he's keeping the stars in place and he's got a name for each one of them. Can you put your thumb on what you are most worried about? Does anyone here have any worries? Anybody online, you have any worries? Um, fears? What's your greatest fear? Do you have a fear? Or a problem? Do you have a, any kind of problem that's plaguing you, that maybe dogs you and torments you? Can you name it? And then once you've named it, what, what do you do next? And it seems to me that there's a couple of options. The first option that we have once we've identified our worry or a fear or a problem is to say, well, let's go after it. We're going to, you know, pull up our bootstraps and we're going to get after it and solve it and fix it. We're going to work hard. We're going to put the gloves on and we're going to like hammer that problem till we knock it out of the park. We're going to take care of it. Seems like that's one solution. And that leads to weariness and exhaustion. Constantly working, striving, effort. That's one way, one option. What about a second option? Lift up your hands and surrender and trust God. Trust our defender, our advocate. Trust the one who scoops up the earth and holds it in his hands. Trust the one who names all the stars in the sky. Surrender. There's a name for this one. We call him the Prince of Peace. If we can identify our defender and then trust and surrender to him, it seems like the third thing then is to simply live in peace, to, to live into it, rather than having to try to go out and fight and grab a hold of the peace, to force the peace? What if we just lived into it? On the occasion of the birth of the Prince of Peace, the angels in heaven sang, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. That's what they sang at his birth. The teaching ministry of the Prince of Peace started on a hillside with the Beatitudes. Here's the first one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. In the midst of a storm, as the disciples faced uncertainty and fear, the Prince of Peace spoke out. He said, peace be still. And he was talking to the winds and the waves. That calmed down. I think he was talking to the disciples too. Peace be still. When he was about to die on the cross, the Prince of Peace offered this comfort to his disciples. He said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is our peace, and we live into him. That's how we find peace. Comfort. 
comfort my people, says your God. And the last part of the Isaiah 40, if you want to read through it, it's, it talks about people who are weary and worn out. And they can mount up with wings as eagles so that they can run and not be weary and they can walk and not faint because they have entered into this peace. Identified the defender, trusted and surrendered to the defender, and then lived into the peace that he offers. And you know, Jesus did not defeat Satan with this full-on frontal assault. Thinking about all the different times in his ministry when Jesus could have just gone right after Satan, and he didn't. He did not conquer sin and death by grabbing power, by forcing his hand. He did not establish his kingdom with coercion or force. He did not accomplish his mission by defeating the Romans and establishing his kingdom with power. He won by laying down his life. He overcame evil by surrendering by giving, his, giving himself. And this points us to our path for peace. Know our defender, surrender and trust him, and then live in the peace that he promises. I don't know exactly what you might be led to do by that. I pray that the Spirit will guide and direct you. Here's a couple thoughts. The first thought is this. Um, what do you need to surrender I ask myself, what do I need to surrender? What am I holding on to? I, I have this posture when I'm not surrendered, and it's like this. I'm like grabbing a hold of stuff, trying to control, trying to enforce my will, trying to get my way. This is what I do when I don't surrender. And I've had lots of different mentors who've talked to me about, you need to change your posture when you start talking about this stuff to this. Let go. Is there a fear, uh, anxiety? problem that you've been trying to wrestle down, trying to defeat? Uh, Do you need to surrender? Maybe you can think about that. Ask the Spirit to guide you. What, What needs to be surrendered? Lord God, I want to give you thanks for this day. Uh, We know that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and thank you for the gift of gathering in worship and for the opportunity that we have to come boldly right into your very throne room because we have one who is our advocate, one who has gone before us and paid the way. So our sins are paid for. We thank you for that gift. We thank you for the gift of peace that even in the midst of times of strife and challenge and difficulty that we know that we can trust in you, that we can surrender to you and find peace and find hope that sustains us in these times. God, I pray particularly for those who might be listening who are facing real challenges, challenges related to their health or to their their well-being, related to their livelihood, uh, worries or anxieties or fears and concerns, problems, God, that have been plaguing them. I pray that you would come very near and that you would bring peace, comfort those who need comfort. I think especially today, God, of those who have lost loved ones, those who are grieving. We think of the Vanderwill family. We pray for them and the passing of Ray that you would bring comfort to them. God, others who need to know that you're there with them, come near to them. And we'll be careful, God, to give you thanks, to recognize these gifts as coming from your hand and to celebrate them 
And uh, we pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you are blessed by today's message. If you'd like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, please visit our website, www.cedarhillscr.org.